Revelation 19 and verse number 10, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Watch this, folks, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I want to talk to you this morning on the testimony of Jesus and the last days. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in church. Thank you, Lord, for the congregational singing. Thank you for the wonderful special that we just heard, and Lord, just uh, to be able to sing about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, you are more wonderful than everything that this world can afford, but so often our human hearts get deceived and our affections wander. And Lord, I just pray that this first Sunday of 2023, that you would draw our hearts all closer to you. And I pray that you'd bless this message Lord, you know our heart's desire and intent in bringing this information before the people today, and I pray that you would just use it, Lord, uh, for your glory and honor, and may the Holy Spirit of God do the work that certainly needs to be done, and uh, Lord, help me to uh, speak clearly and concisely, and Lord, uh, we're here to help, Uh, we're not here to impress, we're not here to entertain, we're here to honor you and to help the people that are listening. And so touch our hearts and ears and eyes. May we see and hear and understand what you would have us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to encourage you. Most of the verses that we're going to be looking at here today are going to be on the screen. But I'd like to encourage you to look up these references in your Bible or certainly Find a a blank sheet of paper or maybe a blank flyleaf in your uh, Bible and write down these references. We're, uh, what I would say, going old school here this morning. And what I'm going to be talking about and the references that I'll be giving, and we are going to be looking at a lot of Bible verses here today. You're going to hear a whole lot more what Jesus had to say today than what you're going to hear what uh, Pastor Mitchell has to say. I I want to limit my commentary, and I just want to give you the words of Jesus Christ, because it is the testimony of Jesus that is the spirit of prophecy. And that's what we need here today in these very interesting days that we live in. We need to know and understand the testimony of Jesus Christ. What I'm going to be talking about was a very common theme in the 70s and in the 80s. I was uh, very young in the 70s, and I still remember seeing Hal Lindsey's book sitting on the coffee table of my parents, and I remember asking questions about the rapture and the end of time, and I remember my mom and my dad's, their, I remember their answers, and I can remember them getting excited in a thunderstorm one time, and my mom thinking, maybe the rapture's getting ready to take place. You know, in Idaho, you don't get the thunderstorms like you do out here, and so we were pretty impressed. Y'all would have been yawning and probably asleep, but we were thinking, oh, the rapture's getting ready to take place. But even though it didn't, and that was back in the 70s, I think that it was a good thing that it was on people's hearts and minds that the rapture could take place this year, that the Lord's coming back in 70s, and then that carried on into the 80s, and you certainly, what we're going to be looking at here today were things that you would hear preached 
an entire message commonly on this particular topic. And if the message wasn't all about this topic, there was something in many messages that referred to what we're going to be looking at here today. And so please write down these texts. I see these young men and I see some younger generation Christians and things that we take for granted that are commonplace in our minds. They need to become commonplace in the hearts and minds of this younger generation because we have forgotten the things that are the most valuable. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And the majority of what Jesus taught and is recorded in the Gospels is regarding the end times. Volumes upon volumes have been written on the subject. But today I present you a condensed overview of the Lord's testimony. And having said that, let me tell you right up front, brace yourself for negativity. You can handle it, okay? I promise you, you can handle a little bit or a lot of bit of negativity because Jesus, what He had to say about the end times was extremely negative. People don't want to hear the negative things here today. And uh, they think that we, maybe this progressive movement has saturated Christianity and we're way better off with all of that, without all of the hellfire and damnation preaching. Look around and see the state of Christianity and the, the morality or immorality, I should say, of our nation. And I would ask the question, how's that working for us? It's not working very well at all. The purpose of Jesus' teaching was always to prepare His disciples, not overwhelm them. As we look at these things today, no doubt changes need to be made. When truth is received properly, listen to this, this is an important preface to this message. When truth is received properly, it comforts and it prepares us. When received without faith, however, it causes us to be distressed and troubled. In Matthew 16, this is the first reference, verse number 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Don't you find it interesting? That they're coming to Jesus and saying, show us a sign. And basically, Jesus calls them wicked and adulterous for seeking a sign. But in the same sentence, basically, he says, you've already got your signs. They're all over the place. You can read the weather, but you cannot see the signs of the times. And he referred to the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, in another passage in uh, Matthew chapter number 12, Jesus talks about this sign 
of the prophet Jonas, and he makes reference to him being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, just as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. But I believe personally that when Jesus says the sign of the prophet Jonas, he's not just talking about Jonas being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I believe he's talking about Jonas' message to Nineveh. Jonah went in the midst of Nineveh. Jonah didn't even have a burden or a heart or compassion for those people. He's mechanically obeying the Lord because he doesn't want to get swallowed by a whale again. I can't blame him for that, can you? And he just half-heartedly says to a wicked city, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Negativity, negativity, negativity. You know what those people in Nineveh did? They all repented. It wasn't even a great sermon. No illustrations. No poems. Nobody shed a tear. Oh, that was so wonderful. No, what happened is their hearts were gripped by fear because they knew that this man of God was telling them the truth. They had conviction. And their lackadaisical, wicked lives got overwhelmed with the fear of God and it led them to repentance. Jesus said, this generation, that Nineveh is going to rise up in judgment against you. And I believe the same thing could be said of America today. So, I ask you a question. Are you prudent or are you fearful? Let me explain what I mean by that question. Proverbs 22, verse number 3 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. If you are prudent, you'll be able to see the signs of the times. You'll be able to recognize what Jesus is warning us of, and it will, it will motivate you to do the right thing. It'll motivate you to feel the right way. But if you're just fearful rather than prudent, 2 Timothy 1 verse number 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. When we get to the conclusion, you're going to see what we're supposed to do with this negative, judgmental, warning message is not build a bunker, not stock up on food, Not just start living for ourselves, but there are some things that the Lord says, I'm going to give you some understanding and here is what you need to do with it. If you get all worked up with stress and anxiety and start living for yourself, I've got news for you. You are listening to the spirit of fear, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I want you to be prudent. I want you to see some things and understand some things, but... I don't want you to let those things cause you to feel and believe and do the wrong things. I make a statement here before I get into the first part of my message, and that is this. I believe that this year is going to be far more interesting and frustrating to the true believer than anything we've experienced thus far. Our security our prosperity, our freedoms are hanging by a thread. 
Listen, I'm thankful for the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and I think that you should be as well. I think that's a wonderful thing, and I'm going to take that as a victory, but I've got to be honest that it's probably, in the big scheme of things, probably just a diversion tactic of the devil. You remember when Joshua, after they'd been defeated there at Ai, after the conquest of Jericho and Ai, you know, they just send a few people out and Ai just whoops them. And so they go the second time, and what did they do? They drew Ai out, and they had ambushments from behind, because Ai was all confident that, hey, we're, we want them, we beat them the first time, we're going to beat them the second time, because they're fleeing from us, but there was an ambush right behind. I can't help but wonder if any victory, because listen, our nation has not changed its moral or spiritual viewpoint. So yeah, I'm glad for Roe v. Wade, but I'm also uh, I'm also intelligent enough and seen some things in the Scripture that it might just be a diversion tactic of the devil. Listen, getting rid of Pelosi is likely a positive. I mean, for a lot of reasons, and you know, personally, I just I, I, I yeah. Anyhow, let me move on here. But who's next? Who's next? Is it really going to be much better? Listen, I, the, the honest truth, and you can criticize me for this. I'm just just throwing it out there the way that I see it. And that is this. Trump's probably going to be in jail or banned from running for public office when this is all said and done. I'm not saying, he. listen, whether you think he deserves it or not, that's not even in this equation. I just think that he's got enough guns aimed at him and they have enough power that probably if you're holding out hope for two years from now and the re-election of President Trump, then you're probably going to be sadly disappointed. Just saying. Now, two years from now, if everything turns around for good. I'll be the first one to preach in 2025 a more positive, comforting message. Not to mention the fact that President Biden likely has dementia. It's just, I've been around it, I've seen it. There's mannerisms and there's body language and I I see it every time that I watch a speech. It is either onsetting or it is full-blown and they just have access to the right medication that's holding things up. I don't know, but listen... It is just not a real positive outcome for Christianity, the church, or our nation, and for that matter, the world in general. Now, my personal concerns are this. Sanctioned perversion. We have it in our nation. There's always been perversion. Always. All of human history, there's always been perversion, but I've never... I never dreamed that it would be sanctioned by our society the way that it is today. And sadly, in the name of loving your neighbor as yourself, which is what Jesus taught us to do. I mean, it is just, that's just the craziest, most nonsensical uh, concept for people to do wicked and for anyone 
to be critical or disagree with that is not being Christ-like. That is just totally insane. And so that is a personal concern of mine. LGBTQ, it's everywhere. Marriage, gender, all of this. Secondly, our economic debt and spending. That's a concern that I have. And I believe that we cannot, I don't know when, we're not going to be able to sustain it and make the payments any longer, but I believe that eventually, whether it's 2023 or 2024 or 2025, I do believe that there is a day coming that's probably going to be in my lifetime for certain in which things are going to change drastically because of the debt and spending and so forth. And not only that, but what our money is being spent on. We don't have the money. We're going into debt for things that really have absolutely nothing to do with anything of value and nobody seems to really care. Open borders are a personal concern. We see just people flooding into our nation illegally and we've got people in leadership that just yawn and turn their head and it's just like, well, this is no big deal. Well, you know what, the laws are the laws, and the last time I checked, our government is supposed to uphold the laws that they've passed, amen? And I, I think that a couple of weeks ago, I think that uh, I believe personally that I nailed it, and that is that the liberals want more people coming in because people aren't having babies, and pe- babies are being aborted, and People are not wanting to get married and have a traditional home. And because of the population decline or potentially, they know that tomorrow they're not going to have enough people working that they can tax in order to make the payment on the debt. We have corrupt leaders and agencies who have agendas. You know, really, we don't have free press any longer. We have the, we have the aura of a free press, but the problem is, is who owns the press? They have their own agendas. And so free press used to be, listen, free press used to be a check and balance in this country. The press would hold everybody accountable to telling the truth and doing the right thing. But now the press is owned by corporate liberal conglomerations that are more interested in promoting their agenda than telling the American public the truth. That's a concern that I have. How about the loss of work ethic, especially among a younger generation? People have not learned to work. They don't like to work. They don't think that they need to work. We've got people in their 20s and 30s that play, spend more time playing video games and they've never dug a ditch or swept a floor or done anything that's just manual labor, but they just live by their thumbs. That's a personal concern. Whatever you think of video gaming and all of that, that uh, I'm not personally attacking you, but I am saying that it is not strengthening our culture, but rather it is weakening our culture. How about the doctrine of Balaam? You say, what is that? Well, let me tell you, just real quickly what it's all about. Balaam was hired to curse the children of Israel. And several times he tried to curse Israel and 
he came back to Balak and basically said, I can't curse him because God's blessed him my whole life. We've sang about it and we've talked about it. God blessed the USA. And let me tell you something, God has blessed the United States of America. The doctrine of Balaam was Balaam said to Balak, he said, look, I can't get God to curse them. He's not going to listen to any enchantment. He's not going to listen to me. The only way that you'll get God to curse them is to defile them so that they're living just like you're living and then God will have to judge them because of their wickedness. Look around, brothers and sisters. America has yielded to the doctrine of Balaam and we are living more like the heathen than the heathen are. It concerns me. The woke and the censorship, I could say some things about that. The rewriting of history and agenda-based education. Hey, how about... Listen, I haven't even been negative yet. How about this younger generation of preachers that won't tell it like it is? And uh, they'll market their influence on social media and mimic all of the stars and actors and performers and trying to market their influence rather than just tell it like it is. It concerns me. I would to God that God would call some young men that would say, hey, I want to be an old school man of God and I want to preach the Word of God and tell it like it is. I'm going to ignore the influence of my culture And I'm going to make sure that I get this Word of God in my heart and preach the whole counsel of God. It is needed. There are many, many gaps that God's looking for men and women to stand in the gap to make up the hedge lest He smite this land with judgment. Which brings me to my last personal concern before I actually get to the message, and that is this. I see no fear of God or conviction I don't see it in churches. You know, we're, we're preaching the same truths today that we preached 20 years ago. I mean, I could get up here and I could preach what Lester Roloff preached verbatim. I could say it the same way that he said it. And I could even live as holy and godly as Lester Roloff lived. And you know what the effect would be? Today it would be pretty much <sighs> water on a duck's back. It concerns me immensely. It concerns me for where we're at in America today. So having said all of that, I want to talk to you about what what do we mean by the testimony of Jesus? Well, a testimony is a solemn declaration or affirmation made for the purpose of establishing or proving some fact. Now, a testimony differs from evidence. Because a testimony, the evidence is the effect of that testimony or the degree of light which it affords. In other words, it's up to you whether the testimony of Jesus is evidence. It's whether you listen to it, whether you allow it to affect you. Because if the testimony of Jesus doesn't affect the way that you think and behave and live your lives, then it's not evidence It's just a bunch of religious rhetoric. 
I'm not interested in religious rhetoric. I'm interested in the testimony of Jesus. And so the first area of the testimony of Jesus that I'd like to present to you this morning is the days of Noah. The days of Noah. Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now listen, Noah did not just make an ark. He was also out there probably every day, according to what Jesus said, what the apostles said, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Let me tell you something. Noah was not trying to get anyone on the ark with him. That may surprise you. He wasn't saying, hey, come get on the ark with me. No, he was preaching righteousness. If you'll recall that when the door was opened, that God said to Noah, Come thou and thy family into the ark. Because you, he said, I've seen righteous before me. For God to invite any of those wicked, pagan, godless sinners into the ark, they would have had to have listened to the preaching of righteousness and actually repented of their sins. This modern Christianity today is just trying to get people to pray a prayer to Jesus. Deceiving them into thinking that, oh, you're on your way to heaven because you said the right can prayer. Nothing could be further from the truth. Eating, drinking. Listen, nothing wrong with those things, but wouldn't you agree that our culture... You remember uh, back in, what was it, the second term of Obama that we're talking about recession, recession, recession? Did anybody see the restaurants empty? The restaurants were full. It's like, this is the best recession I've ever seen. They, They were even talking about, we're borderline depression. But listen, nobody seemed to give up any eating or drinking. I'm not against eating and drinking. You can probably say, yeah, we see that, preacher. But the problem is, is this is what in the days of Noah, their lives revolved around marrying, giving, and marriage. These are all good things. But their lives were revolving around things that were supposed to be good things, but not the main things. They had godless lives, and we have a nation full of people that have godless lives. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. How about the next one, the days of Lot? Jesus went on to say in verse number 28, He said, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. All of these, nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Negative, negative, negative. Even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. 
Isaiah speaks of it like this. In Isaiah 3, verse number 9, he said, The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom, they hide it not. Gay pride. They have parades. They have all kinds of things. And that's just one portion of wickedness. Listen, people don't hide their wickedness today. Listen, there's so many things that used to be a stigma and a reproach in culture today. They don't hide it. They're endorsed and they're sanctioned. And anyone that criticizes those things is a Pharisee or a hater or judgmental. Whatever you label it, it doesn't matter. Hey, how often do you see a modern preacher today that's not over 70 years of age preach against social drinking? Because most of the preachers socially drink themselves. Let me tell you something, for the record, it's the devil's drink. And it's become a god in America. I've seen it. I've seen people choose alcohol over things that should mean so much more. And it is a god. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Listen, this may seem negative. This may seem critical. But this is a message of warning because... As a preacher, I care about people. I care. Listen, I, I, I don't want you to like me today and hate me at the judgment when God casts you into hell and you're looking at me saying, preacher, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you care enough and love me enough to tell me the truth? I'd rather you love me and respect me in eternity than to love and like me today and find out that I was just, I cared more about what you thought of me than I cared about your eternal soul. Ezekiel said it like this in Ezekiel 16, verse 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Listen, we're living in a generation that is not strengthening the hand of the poor and needy. They're giving them handouts in order to win their vote, in order to say, hey, look at us, we're taking care of people, and it's just socialism and communism. What does that do? It weakens the hand of the poor and needy. you got government agencies that are sending checks and supporting people that they've never seen. They haven't went and interviewed them. They haven't went and found out, oh, they can't work. They're crippled or they're debilitated. No, we've got a bunch of lazy bums that are getting government support because the people writing the checks, which now is just a computer, there's no accountability. What's it doing? It's making people dependent. It's weakening the hand. I hope you're seeing that the, prof, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. How could anyone nail it more perfectly than what our Savior did based on what we're seeing today. <laughs> How about this one? Luke seventeen thirty two. Remember Lot's wife? Remember, what did Lot's wife do? 
What was so wrong? What was so bad about Lot's wife? Well, the angels are dragging him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did Lot's wife do? She turned around and she looked back. What's the big deal about that? I mean, listen, her children. She's got children and likely grandchildren that are just getting destroyed in fire and brimstone. What is God? Uncompassionate? Is God a bully or something? That He would turn her... It's it's ironic that He turned her into a pillar of salt. Because Jesus also said that when the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing. What was her problem? Her affection was toward wicked and worldly things. Listen, ladies... You ought to love your children. But we're living in a generation where Christian mamas put their kids first and they put Jesus second. Since I'm, since I'm on track here and already being negative, listen, parents. Parents, listen to this pastoral admonition. You ought to be in church even when we're not having Master Club. You know what you're teaching your children? That, oh, we'll just stay home because we don't have Master Club. You're turning them into a bunch of prima donnas. And what you're doing is you're neutralizing the effect of everything they learn in Master Club by your example. I love you. That's why I wanted to tell you the truth. Both in the days of Noah and Lot, people would ignore or mock the preaching of righteousness and the warning of impending judgment. Oh, that's old school. That's antiquated. Those, those, uh, those methods don't work. Let me tell you something. It's not a method. You've been around here. You know, we're not trying to guilt trip or manipulate anyone. Listen, I it doesn't matter to me whether you come to the altar at the end of this message or not. Because you can come to the altar and if it doesn't change your heart and if it didn't do you any good in eternity, then what does it matter? Next, and I'll move quickly, and I, and I do promise you these next ones will be quickly. Wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In the news, we hear every day about Russia and Ukraine. We hear about China and Taiwan. We hear about North Korea and South Korea. And let me tell you something. This whole world is sitting on a couple of powder kegs right there that are just waiting to explode. (laughs) Not to mention... oh. Iran, (laughs) talk about a loose cannon in the Middle East, who knows what's going to happen with Iran and whatever the next current event will be that we hear about. How about famine and pestilence and natural disasters? Matthew 24, verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Hey, listen, what's the food shortage of the week? I know what it was this past week, milk. What happened? Where'd all the milk go? Did a bunch of dairy cows die? I don't know what happened to the milk. Six months ago, it was half and half. 
we must be in the middle of the tribulation period because we had no half and half for our coffee. We had to drink it black. Oh, pray for us. Things are getting rough. I mean, listen, I, I know I am, I am making a little bit light of it because we still got plenty of food. But listen, up until the last few years, unless it was a snow day when you went to buy bread, you were going to be able to find in any grocery store the basic items that you're used to getting. Not now. Month or two ago, no eggs. I can remember, what, five, six months ago, no shortening. You know, these are all staple type items. Eggs, shortening, flour, milk. These are all staple kind of items. You know what's happening. I'll tell you, when, we used to, when I used to get a new rifle, you put a new scope on it, and the first thing that you had to do was boresight it. I mean, you couldn't just aim it at a target and put the cross, crosshairs on it because the crosshairs might, I mean, you might be aiming, let's say I would be aiming at that banner on the wall, the crosshairs might be so messed up that I'd be shooting through that window. Well, you're never even, you're not going to sight it in, you're not even close. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to bore sight it so that at least your shot it's not hitting bullseye, but they say it's hitting paper. At least it's giving you a reference point so that you can dial it in. You know what I'm giving you here today? I'm just trying to hit the paper. We're not in the tribulation period. We're not going in the tribulation period. But I believe that the world around us is just boresighting everything. God is getting everything dialed in and... We're experiencing a number of things. There's going to be a food shortage. I believe that. I believe that hunger, you talk to these old saints and these old farmers, and they will tell you in their last days in the nursing home with tears running down their cheeks, I'm afraid for our country, people are going to get hungry. They've been around. They've seen a thing or two, and they know what they're talking about. Hey, what's the biological effect of the COVID virus as well as the long-term biological effect of the vaccines? I don't know, and you don't know either. It got quiet here. Listen, I said the COVID virus and vaccines in the same simple, same sentence, right? So I'm not preaching against vaccines no more than I'm preaching against viruses. I'm just saying... There's a lot of unknowns, and let's face it, since we somewhat, they've got some people getting COVID still. But even more than that, how much more sickness have we had since COVID? I kind of scratch my head. Hey, something weird. Pestilences, natural disasters, earthquakes, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes. Contaminated water, power outages, these are all becoming more and more common. Hey, how about the persecution of the righteous? Matthew 24, verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Hey, have you noticed that family loyalty just ain't what it used to be? 
Have you noticed that parental respect just ain't what it used to be? Have you noticed that parents being respectable is just not what it used to be? Everything, just the foundation just seems to be crumbling. Let me move on because we're about out of time. How about religious deception by false prophets? Brother Max was preaching last Wednesday and he made actually made a reference to Joel Osteen. Brother, that's just pretty pretty rotten of you to actually name a name. I was so proud of you. <laughs> you know, Paul named names. There's a time for it. There are deceivers and false prophets out there and they're slick. And they'll prophesy smooth things. And I'll tell you what's, I'm not, when I think of the Osteens and the Furticks and all of these popular preachers today, you know what, you know what I'm more preaching against than preaching against them. I'm preaching about Christians being a bunch of gullible suckers. That's what I'm preaching against. They wouldn't have their fame and their fortune and their popularity and their glory if Christians would get in the book right here and recognize it. But Jesus said it would be so. How about the next one? Loss of passion and zeal of God's people. Matthew twenty four twelve, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Boy, we just see it. When's the last? I, I can remember when, when I was a preacher boy, Brother Runyon had to kind of put some reins on me and say, whoa, Brother Andy. Whoa. I mean, I had, I had some ideas. I had some really crazy ideas to make a difference. Being salt and light, it's like when I was a preacher boy, listen, guys, you, you, would, you would be ashamed at some of the things that I was wanting to do. I was even thinking about spray painting billboards. Yeah, yeah, there was one time I was talking to Brother Runyon. It's like, well, you know, why don't we get a ladder in there? There was a billboard out on the interstate that had a very scantily dressed lady on it, and I thought she needed some clothes painted on her. I was serious. And Brother Runyon said, yeah, Brother Randy, that's probably not a very smart idea. And he was right. He was right, Okay. But when's the last time any pastor had to say, whoa, Nelly? Instead, we're just trying to light a fire under people's rear end so they do something. You know, and I, I thought about this after I printed my notes, but Luke twenty-one twenty-six, Jesus talked about men's hearts failing them for fear. Hey, how many people are on anxiety medicine today. It's common. There's probably as many people that take anxiety medicine today as what takes allergy medicine. You know, we got men's hearts failing them for fear. And in conclusion, conclusion, remember this. All right, having all that that you've heard here this morning, let me say this. I said it a few weeks ago in Revelation. I'll say it again. We're not saying that these things are going to happen 
full-blown before the rapture. I'm not trying to prepare you for the tribulation. The, this testimony of Jesus, he's talking about smack dab in the tribulation period. I under, I'm not saying that we're going through the tribulation period. We're simply showing you that these things are beginning to come to pass. In Mark 13, verse number 28, Jesus, once again, the testimony of Jesus, He said, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass, till all these things be done. The fig tree represents Israel. Her branches are yet tender. They're putting forth leaves. And I remind you of some dates. 1917 was the Balfour Declaration, where there were public opinion there in Great Britain of making Israel a nation once again. They didn't do anything with the Balfour Declaration until 1926 when they actually started making policy that was consistent with that. But in 1948, 1948, Israel became a nation once again. Now I find it interesting that in 2023, this will be 75 years on the dot since Israel started putting forth leaves and becoming a nation once again. Jesus said that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. If you're intelligent, you're probably asking the question, okay, how many years is a generation? Is it 75? Well, you can find in the Scripture that a generation can be 40. If you Google it, you're going to find that our current society says a generation is 30 years. You can make a biblical justification that a generation could be 40 years. But you do find, and this is the longest time span that I can find in the Bible that justifies a generation, was when the Lord prophesied that Israel would go down into Egypt and they would be there for 400 years, and he said, in the fourth generation, I'll bring them out. Four, that, that means the maximum time for a generation, according to the Word of God, is 100 years. Now, what's he talking about? Israel starting to put forth leaves. Is that 1926? Is that 1948? I, I don't know the answer to that. But I'll tell you what I do know, that we're getting close and close and close and close. Unbelievably close. So what do we do with this? What do I change in my life? How do I respond emotionally? How do I change in how I conduct and live my life? And listen, we ought to make some changes Well, here's what we do. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall be ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This was the last orders of Jesus Christ. And I submit this morning, we've not had any new orders since then. He said, occupy until I come. He didn't say build a bunker. He didn't say buy more guns and ammunition. Listen, I, you might be wise to uh, forego buying a brand new boat and maybe buying a generator. That might be prudent. I don't know. I'm not saying you ought to do that. There's nothing wrong with making a few wise, prudent preparations that might sustain your comfort level for a few more weeks than your neighbor. Unless somebody realizes that you've got something that they don't have and then they come take it from you. And then you'll just be comfortable in heaven after they slit your throat. Hey, while we're being negative, let's just get it all out there, right? Hey, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that we should respond to the testimony of Jesus, but it should motivate us to get busier witnessing to others, serving the Lord, being faithful to church as ye see the day approaching so much more and all of the things that the Word of God tells us that we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to start chewing our fingernails to the knuckle and being stressed and take more medicine and, oh, woe is me. Our lives aren't our own. They belong to Jesus Christ. And His testimony, ought to, it ought to spark us to say, you know what, if this is the year, and it very well may be, I need to make some changes in how I'm living my life.